Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello guys, welcome to another Tuesday Night Jaw Meets edition. This week I am chatting to bad boy Joey Janela, who is one of uh, my favourite people in independent wrestling at the moment. Um, I love it when anybody chooses to be just a little bit different to everybody else. Um, Joey is one of those guys. Um, first, briefly met him in Orlando last year when he was doing his first spring break show uh, with Game Changer Wrestling. Um, he's doing his second one this year, which we talk about uh, quite uh, quite at length during the course of this podcast. Uh, but also he wrestled for progress in New York against Jimmy Havoc in a brilliant no disqualification match in our, our show, a rather historic show in NYC last year. Um, he's a great dude, and I really wanted to chat to him. So um, I'm very glad that he dedicated an hour to having a bit of a natter to me today. Really, really pleasing. Uh, really appreciate him giving me his time. Um, a few little plugs. I need to do apologise. Apologies, by the way. I do cough a bit during the podcast because I feel like absolute death at the moment. Um, a few little plugs. They're mainly wrestling ticket related. Um, thank you, by the way. Uh, to everybody, all 100 people who came to my stand-up show about the history of professional wrestling in Leicester on Sunday. Um, it was the first time of me doing the show. Uh, the show seemed to work. Obviously, it's a work in progress. It's still a bit clunky, but I think if I tighten it up, uh, edit a couple of bits, make a couple of bits longer, then there's probably an hour and a half long tour show coming in the autumn slash winter this year. So watch this space. Um, plugs. They're mainly progress ticket related, okay? And um, maybe grab a pen because you can go to progresswrestling.com and find all this information, but we've also got short links for you as well, okay? So things you should come to to watch Progress Wrestling. Uh, New Orleans, which I do mention a little bit in the course of this because obviously Joey Janela's Spring Break 2 is in the same building as us, uh, 12 hours after one show and 12 hours before the next one. Uh, So we are in New Orleans um, at, uh, at WWN Live, uh, which is about 20 minutes outside of New Orleans, I believe, on April the 6th and 7th at noon. You want tickets for that? bit.ly slash progress NOLA, or one word, bit.ly slash progress NOLA. Um, the way we then have Super Strong Style 16, Alexandra Palace on May the 5th, 6th, and 7th. You can still get individual day tickets or weekend tickets for that. This week we announced Angelico will make his debut in the tournament, joining the people we've already announced for the tournament, which is Mark Andrews, Keith Lee, and WWE United Kingdom champion Pete Dunne. Tickets for Super Strong Style 16, Alexandra Palace in London are bit.ly2018 SS16. Okay? Bit.ly. 28 slash so I'll do that again bit.ly slash 2018 SSS16 got a big show in Manchester Victoria Warehouse on May the 20th biggest show we've ever done outside of London in the UK capacity is about 1600 we've done around about 1000 tickets so far um, we really want to fill that place uh, it's a great venue the venue people have been really awesome with us um, we've already had Jack Sexsmith say that he will take his world title shot that he has earned at that show. Uh, so that's Sunday, May the 20th, Victoria Warehouse in Manchester, bit.ly slash progress Vic. That's V I C, bit.ly slash progress Vic. And then Wembley Arena, September the 30th. Uh, probably don't need to sell that any more than I already do. It's 
arguably going to be the biggest show we'll ever do. Might be the biggest show in independent wrestling in this country's history. Who knows? Bits.ly slash Progress Wembley. Bits.ly slash Progress Wembley. Progresswrestling.com for tickets and merch, etc. We've also got, got a few tickets left for our next trips to Sheffield and Birmingham in June and July. Um, and also demand-progress.com for all of our shows loads of shows from other companies as well <coughs> and um, yeah enjoy all that good my website jimsmallman.com uh, if you go to jimsmallman.com slash tnj you can point people at this podcast tell people how to listen to it uh, subscribe to it rate it review it all that jazz helps me out really appreciate it and of course check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network which this podcast is super happy to be a part of right then Let's get to chatting about Marty Ginetti and Virgil and various other things with the wonderful bad boy, Joey Janelle. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, hello there, Joey Janella. How are you, mate? Hey, what's going on, Jim? <laughs> That's the best start. That's the best possible start. Um... Before we get into chatting properly, I need to. I feel I need to congratulate you. Um, in that, I was trying to describe my, my wife is not a massive wrestling fan, and I was trying to describe why I like you as a wrestler, and it's because I feel you try and do so many things in a different way that it sets you apart. There's a lot of people in the world who who sort of have a pattern that they want to follow in the world of wrestling, and it feels like yeah. um, like you've gone ah fuck that. I've got, I'm going to follow my own path and it's, and it's brilliant. And it, one thing that I would say really encapsulates this is just even the match announcement, the latest match announcement you did for, for spring break on April the 6th um, last night, which was done uh, by the, the nice guy at Wrestling Arcade who I've met at one of our shows. Um, and I, I sat and watched that and there's more jokes in that one sort of couple of minute long video about wrestling than there is in like a whole episode of South Park about politics. Like, <laughs> it's just, it, it's brilliant. And, and you seem, you seem determined to do things differently. And I know as a, as a fan, like I'm so excited about coming to spring break while I'm in New Orleans, like over anything else, purely because you've got, you seem to have this attitude of trying to do things differently. And it's, it, it's, I think it's just a really cool thing that you're trying to do. Yeah, I just um yeah, like last like last month I came up with an idea. I said uh I think I was drunk. I think I was drunk. I usually come up with most of my ideas when I'm uh gone. And I have to I have to send them to uh group chat or I send them to John Carlo, who's my uh video producer guy. Um and uh yeah, I just came up with an idea that every match should have a different trailer. Uh, and we do it every Monday during Raw, so it gives fans something else to look forward to. Hmm. Um, you know, so I, I, I came up with the idea, say, uh, Wrestling Arcade, that guy is just off the wall with his uh, his stuff. And I, I don't think he's ever done anything on this 
grand scale of uh, over a minute long video. He's usually just gifts of uh, just uh, probably recreating recreating famous moments in wrestling history. Hmm. So I came up with this idea, and he said it would take a week. It took a month. Uh, he, it, it was the hardest thing he's ever done. Uh, he was stressed. He was stressed beyond belief, and uh, he worked on it every day. Sent me updates every day, and uh, it came out better than I ever could have dreamed of. Um, it's just, it's just batshit crazy, and um, I don't know. It's just, I don't know. I don't <laughs> think. Uh, I don't. I don't know if we could top it, but uh, well, we have some stuff. Well, let's be honest, because the, the the last two announcements you've done for the show have had great videos with them as well. Because um, you've announced uh, Mike Quackenbush and David Starr, haven't you? Which has a great video attached to it, and and the announcement of you versus Great Sasuke, which is just like I mean, even if I just saw, if you just tweeted a picture of, well, this is who I'm wrestling at Spring Break, that would have been good enough. But the video to go with it as well just just tipped me over the edge of ridiculous excitement. And it's, I think it's awesome that you're you're going to those lengths to announce things because, like you said, if you're doing it every Monday, people are going to get fucking excited about seeing what, what you're going to come up with next. Yeah, it's just um, last year last year for spring break, it was like kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing. Mm. Like we only, we only had like basically uh, a month and a half to do everything because we got the slot for uh, the WWN, um, whatever the, the, the big – fiasco they run there uh we got the slot so so late it was just offered to us and we could say we, we we sat down and said how can we make this work so we had a couple videos last year uh culminated by the big marty Janetti, uh you know half you know shoot half fake uh video of me trying to collect money as a bum uh <laughs> trying to collect enough money to wrestle uh marty Janetti at spring break and uh which resulted in me walking into a uh, thrift shop and getting a magic lamp, which resulted in Razor Ramon, uh, <laughs> Razor Ramon coming out and granting me three wishes. So that got a lot of traction last year. So I said, "Listen, let's do it. Let's do something different every match this year and try to get gain that response, not just from one video, from the whole card." And uh, I think so far we're accomplishing we're accomplishing something right now. Um, do you have a list of of even, I mean, obviously you know everything that you're going to be announcing for this show. But did you like sort of come into it armed with a list of right? Here's some people I'd just love to see on this show because whilst nostalgia is a big thing in the world of wrestling, like there's nostalgia and then there's the the people that you're announcing. So like last year, Marty Jannetty was a big deal because I remember everyone because we were in the same building as you last year. I remember people being really excited about the prospect of seeing you wrestle Marty Jannetty. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's the same this year. I'm really excited about the prospect of having having met you and got to know you properly in New York when you wrestled for us. Like I'm really excited about the prospect of you wrestling Great Sasuke is one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. But then you announcing Volta and Pierre Carlo Ouellette last night. It's like, come on. Like you must have a list of quite bizarre niche wrestlers that you really want to use. And, and it must be quite fun even just approaching people and going, oh, let's put this together and see how crazy it can be. Yeah, it's um, some, some just like fall in our lap. But mm. others, like Sasuke, I was like, they were like, who do you want to wrestle this year? I said, great Sasuke. They're like, yeah, that's probably not going to fucking happen. But, uh, 
<laughs> I said, I said, but uh, uh, I tried to hit up Michinoku Pro like a hundred times. Try to hit up people that have have gone into the Michinoku Pro Dojo for a couple months. Try to get in contact, and then we just tried to go through different outlets, trying to get in contact, and finally. We got in contact, and within 30 minutes, we had it all sealed up, and Sasuke was excited to come back to the United States. Um, and, you know, he he's doing some kind of Donald Trump gimmick now, so I'm probably pretty <laughs> sure he, he saw some money symbols in his eyes. He's got like a, he's got like a Donald Trump mask, uh, a wig attached to his mask now, so. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be I'm sure. I'm sure he won't be doing that at spring break because uh, <coughs> if he pulled out some Donald Trump mask, uh, we'd be like, ah, you know, uh, I don't know if that'd be over here as much as you think it would be. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, it's difficult. But, to, it's difficult. Well, it's difficult to say because we've never done a show in the states, and obviously we're quite a sort of left-wing sort of company. And when we when we did our show in Orlando last year and I did my usual everyone's welcome thing, I was like, I don't know how well this is going to go over here. And everyone <laughs> applauded it. And I was like, oh, no, wrestling fans seem pretty cool. So, yeah, but you, you never know. <laughs> um, it's um, yeah. I remember last year being in that venue in Orlando and seeing you um, walk in with your sunglasses on and, um, and start sort of you know, getting shit ready for your, for your show last year. And, and, and like I, at that point, I'd heard your name. And I'd seen little bits of you, but I didn't know you that well. And then, obviously, we had you wrestle for us against Jimmy Havoc at our show in New York, which in a no DQ match that was was fantastic and includes one of my favorite. I'm not going to spoil it for people. Includes one of my favorite <laughs> spots I've ever seen. Um, but I mean, how long have you been in the business now? Uh, roughly twelve years. Really? You don't you don't look old enough. <laughs> you genuinely uh, don't look old enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I kind of started as a backyarder and when I was like 15 and uh, knew some people in the business. And I said, how can I get in the wrestling business? It's all I want to become a professional wrestler. Hmm. They said, all right, come with me, set up this ring. And then uh, before the show starts, you can just kind of fuck around and someone will say, hey, uh, this is how you hit the ropes and bump. And, you know, and then like two months later, I kind of work my way into the business more by telling the promoter yeah i was trained i trained in uh, this school and the next state over you know <laughs> so he was like he was like oh uh we have a show coming up in your hometown how many tickets can you sell how many family members and friends can you get in this building it's a carny kind of hmm. uh bullshit way that uh promoters used to do things in uh this area and i said oh i can sell like 20 tickets but i sold like three and uh, <laughs> From there, and uh, and in the same match, I also had to get my lips stitched back on. Uh, I got knocked off my face. This is my very first wrestling match. Well, hang on, hang on. Uh, you, you had your lip knocked off your face. Well, half my lip, yeah. Fuck! What happened? From an, yeah, I just took a just took a vicious knee. I was like, in like I guess I was in like a wheelbarrow, like spinning. It was some kind of spinning, uh, what do they call that? Airplane spin wheelbarrow, and the guy came and he delivered a knee and just blasted me, and uh, yeah. that's that was the start of my wrestling career. <laughs> I mean, I, I someone was sending me. I, I was tweeting about like guilty pleasure matches on Twitter the other night because I couldn't sleep, and and the amount of people who send me backyard stuff, 
And I think now I have that sensible wrestling promoter thing of, oh no, I shouldn't, I shouldn't sit and watch backyard stuff. But fuck it, it is still quite fun to watch. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Like, um, I, I know um, there's a, a guy who's made a documentary about us, um, a, a proper filmmaker called Dale, and and Dale was big into. He was a he was a fairly well known backyard wrestler. And I introduced him to Will Ospreay once, and Ospreay knew who he was from his backyard in days, which blew my fucking mind. <laughs> like, I mean, did you ever? Were you doing? Were you doing like fairly sensible backyard shit or the the, the nuts kind of stuff? Oh, I was doing uh, the light tubes, uh, uh, thumbtacks, falling off, falling off roofs through uh, pieces of plywood stacked on milk crates, uh, covered in. Covered in light bulbs, type nonsense. Uh, I'm really. Uh, it was just because what we grew up on was the Combat Zone Wrestling was the hmm. local big indie promotion, and that's what they were about. And kind of when ECW faded away, that's that's what people gravitated towards was CZW, was the XPWs, and and uh, with IWA Mid Souths and all that. And, I didn't give a shit. I didn't want to watch Brian Danielson and Nigel McGuinness wrestle for an hour straight. That wasn't my thing. I I didn't appreciate that to my, my later years. I wanted to see fucking Sick Dick Mono get thrown off a building by Zandig uh, and throw light tubes and nearly kill himself. But um, <laughs> it, it did seem to be. I've been reading about this recently. It did seem, after ECW folded, it did seem that the Ring of Honor did take up the kind of, I like to think, the Guerrero versus Malenko sort of side of it, of the applauding and everyone politely applauding and everyone shaking hands and, and having chain wrestling. And then yeah. the extreme stuff really, really got pushed to the extreme. And, you know, I've got, I, I remember watching CZW stuff in the sort of early noughties and be, be thinking, oh, this might be too far even for me. I mean, I didn't, I didn't fucking stop watching it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but, but, I mean, was that... Was that sort of a when you started breaking into the business? Was that what was your ambition when you broke into the business? Was it because some people break in and they're like, I, I want to be, I want to be on Raw, and that's what I want. And some people break in and and like I know, speaking to Jimmy Havoc, who is you know, one of my best friends, he, he just wanted to do Tournament of Death. That was his main ambition. So, what was your sort of main ambition when you you, you started breaking in? Uh, I guess like when I first. When I first started, I really wanted to do like the deathmatch thing. I wanted to be like a deathmatch legend, mm. you know. And uh, but I was also a big WWE fan. I was big, also a big WCW fan, uh, and I liked the nostalgia of that. And I I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a WWE, you know. That's that was my goal, mm. you know. But I don't know. I was a child basically. I was fifteen, sixteen years old. So I, I don't know. You know, um, you know, I I just wanted it. I just wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to wrestle in a ring, not on a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were starting out, did you ever, apart from losing your lip off your face, did you ever get banged up pretty bad in any other way, or was that the worst it got? You know, I've, I've had concussions here and there, but I think I think that's just the nature of the business. And these days, we're more uh, concussion conscious and. You know, with brain injuries and whatnot, uh, we we protect ourselves better than than the wrestlers did in the 2000s. If you watch some of those matches, they're just straight nonsense yeah. of guys pummeling and kicking each other and taking the the ring post uh, without protecting themselves. And uh, 
I'm sure I'm sure everyone's had a concussion or two. I've had a couple concussions, but besides that, I've really had nothing. Um, besides me getting thrown off the building by Zandig, I nearly, <laughs> I nearly chopped I nearly chopped off my uh, thumb. But besides that, you know, it's been pretty dandy. When I mean, were you always the bad boy? Did the bad boy thing come come later on? The what? Uh, were you always sort of bad boy Joey Janela, or did the did the bad boy gimmick side to you come later on? Oh, I did. I've done a lot of gimmicks. Uh, <laughs> the promoter first said, "Oh, we're going to call you Triple J, uh, Jumping Joey Janela." So that was my first gimmick. Nice. And then I was like, oh, "It's kind of corny," but then I came. I made my I made a custom pogo stick. And, uh, <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> Kind of came out on this sick pogo stick until I made my debut at the ECW arena for CZW when I was 18 years old. I think I did a uh, dark match for them. And as soon as I came out on the ramp, I slipped off the pogo stick and fell flat on my ass. So I got rid of that gimmick. Uh, yeah, understandable. Yeah, and then I, I changed my name to the Zebra Kid. I, I don't know why. Uh, just because I had a pair of Party City uh, cheap zebra tights, and I was like, oh, what's the reason for me wearing these? Oh, I'm the zebra kid. Um, and I know there's other zebra kids. I know uh, I know Blue Meanie was a zebra kid. Um, One of Public Enemy was a zebra kid as well, wasn't he? Uh, maybe, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Zach, uh, Zach, what's the name? Uh, uh, Paige's Knight. brother. Yeah, well, Zach yeah, Knight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Zach Knight. He was the zebra kid as well. So I don't know where, where that gimmick name came from, but apparently there's a history of zebra kids, and I'm just one of them. And uh, I did a monkey gimmick. I was dressed as a monkey. Um, that was I was the white monkey, and which the promoter, the carny ass promoter, changed to Nico, the flying, the flying amazing monkey, or something like that. <laughs> and then I went to a company PWS in Jersey, and I. I was done the gimmick Starman, which is based on the NES video game Starman. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah, I did that, and uh, I, I made every video game top video game site uh, because I did a publicity stunt at Monday Night Raw, uh, which got me kicked out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what did you do? <laughs> well, I kind of just walked down to the bottom and uh, got it was. Uh, Danielson was fighting Ziggler in a match and uh, kind of completely hijacked their broadcast. I, I I need to find this match where the whole crowd was chanting, uh, we want Starman. And uh, it was at the time where Daniel Bryan and Kane were doing some kind of tag team gimmick. So Kane was on the ground. So my idea was to sneak behind Kane and pop up on camera. Yeah. But uh yeah, before that, like the crowd was chanting, "We want Starman," because I'm in this full spandex body outfit. And before we know it, you know, I, I was out the door by like 30 <laughs> security guards. <laughs> but it went viral. It went viral on every wrestling news site, which translated to every major like video game, like the Kotaku websites and stuff. They were doing interviews with me and stuff over this Starman gimmick, and and from there in my area and and somewhat. Like this was before somewhat Twitter was relevant at the time and and, um, you know, Reddit and stuff, but they're not as big as they were now for that time. You know, it was kind of a little bit of an Internet sensation, um, you know, and that was my first taste of of something. Um, 
you know, selling t-shirts and stuff and, sure. you know, m- making a little bit of money in the business. But I was, I was eventually kicked out of that promotion because, you know, I'm a prick. <laughs> <laughs> so they just put other people, so they just had auditions and put other people in the Starman outfit Aww. that didn't look like me whatsoever. So who, kind of ruined that. Who, um, when you were, when you were growing up, who were your wrestling heroes? Growing up, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, especially, um, you know, at my age, I mm. was like in 98, 99, that was, uh, for me, that was like the, the glory days of professional wrestling. When I was a kid, it was like, yeah, the NWO, you had Austin, you had D generation X, like, you know, all, all the ingredients to make me uh, a fucked up, uh, adult. <laughs> um, when, um, so you obviously you got started. You did the Starman gimmick for a bit, and then um, you, you gradually became became yourself, I suppose, as it were. Um, I mean, there's there's a few things I want to touch upon in terms of, of stuff I've seen you do this year in particular. But I mean, up until up until the last couple of years, what was your sort of career highlight? Up until probably up until about sort of 2015, what was your career highlight going into that sort of time period? Uh, that's that's hard to say because I I, I didn't even think I, like at that point I, I don't know like there was times that I quit wrestling and I came back and like I feel like maybe up to that point maybe WrestleMania weekend mm. uh, when it when it was in uh, New Jersey yeah uh, doing the Starman thing I think it was me and me and Shane Helms as a <laughs> Hurricane Amazing. versus uh, versus uh, Nova and Chris Chetty which was just a, a crazy, just like nonsensical match. Yeah. And there was like 2,000 people there. And I was just like, wow, this is kind of cool, you know? And I sold like $1,000 worth of t-shirts that night. And I was like, oh, all right, this is pretty sweet, you know? But then I would think I was kicked out of that promotion two months later. So it doesn't really <laughs> matter anymore. But I guess like the, if you want to consider that a highlight or, you know, having that stage, uh, you know, and people, you know, you know where people appreciate what you do and uh you know mm. i felt like that was kind of a highlight but, but like bef- after that you know i've it's been weird until i got thrown off a building you know so i guess <laughs> i guess that's i guess that's the turning point right there i, I don't i don't know what was the turning point but i assume that was it I like to think there's someone should make a montage of you being thrown off the building, pausing it just as you're thrown off with the the whole. I suppose you're wondering how I happened to get into this position. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned that you you stepped away from wrestling for a bit. Was it was it just a case of sort of real life kind of got in the way and you had to pay bills and stuff like that, or just that you became disillusioned with it from time to time? Yeah, I started the business at 15 years old, and then I kind of stepped away when I was like 20, mm. 21. And of course, you know, when you're doing these carny indie shows and nothing else every weekend, it's, it kind of like, you know, it's like, what, what would I rather do? Would I rather do these wrestling shows and dress as a monkey every week or go hang out with girls and drink alcohol in the woods? Like, <laughs> I think I think for a 20, 21-year-old, I think the, the answer is obvious. Yeah. You know, and you're not, you're, I wasn't getting paid a lot. This is like getting paid $30, $30 $40 a show. Mm. 
So it's not like I'm making any money off of it. You know, I can say I'm a professional wrestler, but I'm 20, 21 years old. I, on Friday and Saturday, I'd rather be at a party than wrestling at that time. You know, I suppose that's something that people don't think about as well, because right, if I look at the guys who work for Progress, nearly all of them started when they were 15, 16 years old. And some people just plow on through, never really have any life outside of wrestling. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to do that, is there? And actually having a life, like it makes, it makes sense to me. Um, with, so there's a, there's one big thing I really want to talk to you about. And this is, um, this involves the last time you came to the UK. Um, now the last time you came to the UK, uh, you wrestled for various promotions, didn't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, including wrestling, um, and forgive me if I got the venue wrong, but did you wrestle in the, uh, the Tower Circus um, uh, in, uh, in Blackpool for PCW? Yeah, correct, yeah, the yeah. Blackpool Tower. Yeah, which is a place I spent a lot of time in when I was a kid because my, my, uh, my dad used to spend a lot of time in Blackpool like, renovating buildings there. So um, who, did you, who did you wrestle in the Tower Circus, Joey? Uh, the Invisible Man. <laughs> Now, um, how much Monty Python have you watched? I really, I was never really a Monty Python guy. Because there's a, br- I, I, there's I, a brilliant I know about sketch. The skit. Yeah, I know about it. I definitely know about it now. Um, so when I was, so I looked through your um, your uh, profitedb.com uh, listing of, of your matches, um, and then I could look at what was on. I could also look at what was on um, last year's uh, spring break in Orlando. Um, and now the Invisible Man performed there as well, I believe, in the in your clusterfoot match. Um, yeah, it's it's whatever we can get him when he's not being, uh, you know, he's not holding us up uh, us up for money or being a prick. It's but. it's so the art of a man wrestling an Invisible Man um, is talk talk me through talk me through how first of all how you even try and put a match like that together, and also how how the audience reacted to it because I've seen little clips of it and it looks absolutely brilliant. Um, but, but how was it? Well, the first time I did it, I think my opponent no showed on a show, like a local New Jersey show in front of like 30 people. I said, how about I just wrestle the invisible man? <laughs> and they're like, what? Yeah. I said, yeah, I want to wrestle myself and pretend it's a real human. And they're like, okay. And, <laughs> And I just did it in the ring, and uh, you know, I'm not. There's no one there to call a match with beforehand, so mm-hmm. I think of a few things, and we, we did it. I took a, a German suplex on the apron, and you know, <laughs> I mean, it's 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 the step beyond the the sort of the Japanese stuff with um, with Yoshihiko, the blow up doll, isn't it? It's it's, but it's it's even. I think for me, it's even more of an art form to be able to do that. Um, and how long was the match in Blackpool? That match was like, it was too long, I think. But <laughs> they... <laughs> because, like, I, I saw this seeing people sort of tweeting about it. And I was like, this is, this is amazing. Because that's the same, I could, I, could have, I could have this wrong, but I think you ended up wrestling in, did you end up wrestling in Wrexham over the course of that weekend? Uh, I think it was like the next night. Yeah, which is right near where I live. Because I remember I was I was away doing stand up, so I was I was absolutely gutted because I was like, oh, I could go and see Joey. Um, but because um, I think it was that same tour with the there's the video clip that's on your Twitter feed of you looking in a mirror and Virgil being there, 
which yeah, that was the same night, <laughs> which I will watch like once every couple of days just to make myself laugh. Like, it's, <laughs> um, did Virgil do Spring Break last year? Yeah, yeah, I'm friends with Virgil's like uh, his handlers. I call them because. Without any management, Virgil, I don't know where what he would be doing right now. And they're, they're the same guys who do the Iron Cheeks Twitter. They do Virgil's Twitter. They're, they're the Megan brothers. They're I, just, a fam- I didn't know this until I read about the Iron Sheik the other week and didn't realize it was it was like, it's basically a comedy. Is it a duo who does it for for the show? Yeah, Sheik? yeah. They're like kind of local celebrities in Canada, Toronto. Mm. They're they're awesome guys. They're like twin brothers, um, and they kind of do Virgil's Twitter and they do Iron Sheik's Twitter. They're just pretty, they're pretty genius dudes. Um. <laughs> I, I, cause when we were in that place in Orlando last year, there was a point where I was at our merch stand and Virgil set up next to us. And, and I, I kept having people come over and, and sort of saying hi and I'd take my photo with people and then they, they sort of, they'd go away again. And there was a point where I was having a photo taken with someone in a progress t-shirt and Virgil looked at me and just sort of nodded. And I feel like I'd made it as a human at that point. Um, you just gave me this look of, yes, well done, sir. I was like, yeah. he, he looked, it almost seems to enjoy the fact that he has no cue, which is the best thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, Vir- the Virgil is a big inside joke for me in my childhood, mm. uh, which kind of led into all this, that my friend, uh, my friend, his, my best friend, his father's uh, uh, like a G, like GI Joe sized figures. He collects them. Sure. Um, no matter what they are, you know, you know those twelve inch dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He so we used to go to a lot of the uh, the the what what Comic Con is now. They used to be called like the super mega shows, and uh, you know, uh, just like uh, seatless celebrity conventions. Mm. You know, so we. we I went to a show, an indie show in 2002 uh, that was local to my house, and the main event was Virgil versus Van Hammer versus Big Dick Dudley in a three-way hardcore title match, mm-hmm. which sounds like the, the greatest match of all time. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Virgil, during intermission, he says, hey, kid, and he tried to work me into buying his 8x10s, mm-hmm. and I never bought one. I just kind of... S- stood next to him and talked to him the whole time and he was kind of making me run errands for him like kid go get me a coke like so i go get him a uh, coke you know i got him a diet coke you know he was just kind of like i don't know he was kind of sending me on little missions throughout Mm. this intermission period so then two years later we walk into the super mega show convention and the first as soon as we walk in the door some guy starts going hey joey joey and my friend's dad goes, that, that, that man over there is calling you. And I look to my right, and it's fucking Virgil. <laughs> <laughs> this, is two, this is seriously two years later. And somehow he remembered me. And he, try, and he tried to oh, bring your friends over here. And then he tried to sell all my friends 8x10s. This is how big of a fucking carny this guy is. <laughs> so... so so throughout the years, my friend's dad would always go, oh, Virgil, you know, it's just like even before Sam Roberts brought the relevancy to the banner of Pro Wrestling Superstar, this was the inside joke between me and my friends, mm. fucking Virgil. And somehow within the last 10 years, I entered some kind of vortex of fate where now my life, you know, somehow Virgil is actually in my life still. 
He's like a he's like an aquarium. <laughs> He, I, I did see like people go over to him in Orlando, and and you're right. Like his hustle to sell eight by tens is, I've never seen anyone like it. Like it, it's yeah. unbelievable. It's <laughs> unreal. Like we we me and uh, Stephen Flutter, the owner of uh, Preston City, hmm. uh, I stay at his house when I come to England. He's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's a good. Uh, it's just like yeah. He, we were just sitting there the week of the show, and we're like, "How this show is not like people were expecting some kind of spring break vibes to this show." Yeah, and there's nothing really besides you and the Invisible Man. We tried other stuff, and it just didn't work out. He said, "What if we come up with a scheme to get Virgil over here within the next three days?" <laughs> I said, "I don't know. I don't know. I, we could try to make it work." <laughs> so, so then we call Virgil's agents, and. Uh, you know, we tried to work out a deal, and it didn't work out at first. And then within two hours, we had a plane ticket for Virgil to come to England. <laughs> so we're like, all right, here we go. We got Virgil now. Um, but then um, – so me and Stephen Flutter, we go out the night before. We, we go out for drinks the night before Virgil lands. He's supposed to land in the morning. And uh, we're going to go pick him up at the airport in the morning, not sleep, and go jump on a train and go over there. But – I passed out at his house, and, and Stephen went. And when Stephen got there, Virgil was already on a bus with Brutus the Barber Beefcake, the whales, even though the convention wasn't until the next day. <laughs> it just – this is the type of shit Virgil does. And this is why – and this is why he has that uh, – this stigma to him that he's just, uh, he's just a nutcase. But by the end of that weekend, I don't know. I think we became we became real close with Virgil, and uh, you know, like the Wales Comic Con, he he outsold Brutus, he outsold most of the most of the celebrities there. The Star Trek, like you know, uh, Next Generation, uh, you know, whatever cast. Uh, there were who else was there? Sting was right next to us, and he would try to peddle his autographs to. Anyone that was on the anyone was on the sting line, <laughs> and I guess the the WWE Wikipedia's are such a big deal now that Virgil, you know, he could make an income. He made like five thousand dollars at this convention. Oh, that's amazing! <laughs> we couldn't believe it. He made within two days. He made like five thousand dollars at this convention. Oh, that's nuts, man! That's... And Brutus the Barber Beefcake made probably made like two hundred dollars. Oh, that's <laughs> it. It's just like he's such a he's the sort of person that could only professional wrestling could attract. In that, I don't think any other form of entertainment could attract someone like Virgil. Like yeah. just from hearing that story, I don't think acting or music or anything attracts anyone like that. Yeah, it was, it was like a weekend with Virgil. It was just it was just <laughs> absolutely. Bad shit, crazy. That's a documentary idea, right there. All weekend well, with Virgil. It's already, it's already, it's already in the works. <laughs> so, something is already in the works because uh, the, his his uh, managers they like me so much, and the way I, you know, the way I present Virgil on social media as this iconic legend that mm. they actually made the Iron Sheik movie, the documentary that came out a yeah. few years ago, which got got some mainstream publicity. They want to do a Virgil movie with me, so we got to figure it out. Oh, that'd be amazing! <clears throat> um, like, 
Um, last year when you, you wrestled Marty Gennetti at, uh, at spring break, was, I mean, how did that come about? Because obviously you, you mentioned the sort of the video that you made, but was, was Marty the sort of person, had you been looking to wrestle him for years? Was there just something about, about him that, that made you want to wrestle him or was it something that sort of came about by accident? Yeah, I, I think I was kind of a Rockers fan as a kid, mm. but not really that big of a Rockers fan. I was more, I was more big into Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Uh, later in the nineties, but I, you know, those stupid wrestling wish list wrestlers make on on social media. Like, I want to wrestle these guys this year. Yeah, normally at the beginning of every year, the first week. Yeah, of January. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that gimmick, <clears throat> and I wrote. I think I wrote one in two thousand four, and uh, I wrote one with two thousand four. I said, "These are the guys I want to wrestle this year," and the list was so nonsensical. <laughs> like for, for that time. I was like, I, I was, I don't know. I was, I don't know why I would even think of writing a list like that. But four years later, on uh, last year, on that Facebook, when you go on Facebook, it has like your old posts, hmm. and most of the time, you look at the posts and you cringe because how how douchey <laughs> you, you were in your past. <coughs> that list came up, and at that point, I've wrestled everybody on the list now. Hmm. That. Uh, that that year it would be nonsensical for me to wrestle any of those guys on that list. But four years later, I, I did wrestle everybody on that list besides one name. And that was Marty Janetti. Nice. So I said, I got to wrestle Marty now. You know, I got to, I got to make it happen. So Marty isn't, he's not the, you know, booking Marty Janetti for a show is like playing Russian roulette. <laughs> like, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. So I, as soon as we booked him and we had everything straightened out, I, you know, there, I would have to call him on the phone and he would have to call me on the phone and make sure he was good enough to go. Mm. And I would just have to make sure that that day that he didn't touch any alcohol because it's sad, but he does, he is a heavy drinker. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've told the story on many other podcasts. Uh, you could probably find it. It's I, I met Marty before at a bar, and uh, my friend said, come out to the bar. Marty Gennetti's here. He's hanging out with us. I said, really? I said, I'm not doing anything. I'll come hang out with Marty Gennetti at a bar. And I never met Marty, so I went I went to the bar, and uh, he got really intoxicated and uh, passed out in a bush. <laughs> and, his friend, and his friends left him there. So... His friends left Marty in a bush, sleeping in a bush, and I was getting ready to leave the bar, and I heard a man groaning in the bush. And I was like, wow, there's someone in this bush, and I look over, and it's a passed out drunken Marty Jannetty. So I get, oh, man, they left Marty Jannetty in a bush? This is one half of the rockers, you know? You can't leave this man in the bush. No, of course not. So I said, no. So I said, Marty, get in the car. I'll drive you home. He, he lived in the area. So within like... He, he, Marty kept on telling me, you know, fake street names that he lived on for an, <laughs> for, for an hour and a half. And, and I'm not going to get into the, what those names were. I've said them on other podcasts, but Marty Gennetti is quite the fucking character. So for, after an hour and a half of me driving around, it's pouring rain. He goes, drop me off at this gas station. I'll walk home. So I said, really, Marty? I don't want to drop you off. He goes, yeah, I know where I live. Drop me off at the gas station. So I drop him off at the gas station, and then it starts to downpour like a little tornado. 
and I driving 15 minutes down the road. I'm like, man, I can't leave Marty. I, I think he's, you know, I need to get him home. So I turn around and when I get back to the gas station, Marty Janetti is sleeping next to the gas station, <laughs> next to it, next to a dumpster. Oh so my. then I had to, so then I had to call a few guys. Uh, I I, call, I found out his girlfriend's name. I called her and I said, Marty doesn't know where he lives. And uh, she's like, yeah, he does. I said, he's telling me all these fake streets. And then it turned out Marty lived directly across the street from the bar. <laughs> so, so, so basically he worked me for, uh, for a good hour and a half. Thought it was a good rib. So that was one of the main reasons I wanted to wrestle Marty Jannetty because it's these stories, you know, that I get thrown into. And I don't know, like, I, I felt like I've, you know, I'm living in the matrix. Like, <laughs> I'm really just like on like a chair or something. Someone has something attached to my head and they're just living out my fantasies, you know, through remote control. But yeah, I, that's one of the main reasons. But that's at that point I knew Marty Janetti, you know, was like if we were going to book him, we were going to have to treat him like a, a child, babysit <laughs> him. Yeah, I, I, I heard him on, I think on Colt's podcast and he was quite drunk and I was like, Oh, Marty. Because I, I discussed this this week. One of my favorite ever matches on Raw ever is Marty Jannetty against Doink. The two out of three falls match from about 1993. It's an amazing match when he's properly at his peak and, and the original Doink who was brilliant as well. Because you had... Wasn't Dink on your on the last spring break as well? Yeah, yeah, we had Dink. Uh, uh, I don't know... What think you know? People were asking if it was a real dink. Yes, it was a real Tiger Jackson. I just th- just think he doesn't know how to properly apply his paint himself because <laughs> he he looked like a freak of fucking nature. <laughs> so um, <clears throat> with great Sasuke, like did, was he sort of a bucket list wrestler? I mean, you you mentioned before that when you were told when you were asked who do you want to wrestle, that was the name that you plucked out of. Did you have like a second and third choice if you couldn't have got Sasuke? No, I think I don't know. Like because we we were in like a little group, like a Facebook. It's me, the two promoters, Brett Lauderdale, Danny Devanto, hmm. and our producer uh, John Carlo Didamo. I'm sure you've seen his work, which is just absolutely. He he used to work for CCW. He's just absolutely through the roof with his uh, vignettes and whatnot. But. uh we're in a group and we just kind of just throw names out there and it's just kind of like Sasuke just kind of worked. We didn't have a backup. I think they were suggesting I wrestled Jeff Jarrett, double J versus double J match, but that wouldn't have worked anyway because he's going to be doing other things that weekend. Indeed he is now, yes. Um, but <coughs> I mean, but part of me does want to see you wrestle Jeff Jarrett now you've said it. Yeah, I think, I think we're going to make it happen. It's got to happen somehow. His price is going to be up now because, you know, he's getting that Hall of Fame ring. Yeah. But I'm going to make it happen somewhere. But Sasuke was just like growing up. I, I had I would go to the indie shows and I would buy like the best of barbed wire or the best of ex- Japanese explosion match like tape trader VHSs. And Sasuke was on one of those VHSs versus Omnita uh, in that in that um, that 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 exploding ring, no ropes, barbed wire match. And I didn't know who either of those guys were at that time because I was nine years old. Sure. But, but I showed all my friends this match 
kids that didn't even watch wrestling in the neighborhood, I said, you got to see this match because the great Sasuke, I didn't know who he was at the time. I said, this guy, he dies at the end of the match. He's dead because at the end of the match, the ring explodes and Onita, of course, his selling um, to a nine-year-old convinced me that great Sasuke actually died in this explosion match. Sure. So I was, so I was showing all my friends. I said, oh, this guy, he dies in the match. They carry him out. He's dead. He explodes. You know, <laughs> yeah, you got to see this match. So from that point, I kind of, you know, collected more and more tapes. And, uh, that's kind of what fucked me up the most. I guess the Japanese death match wrestling, big Japan, FMW, mm. you know, the IWA, I got, I had all those, um, compilation videos and i guess that's what really sparked my interest with this hardcore wrestling type nonsense and that's how i got you know great sasuke he just like blew me away you know he wasn't you know he wasn't like anything you know uh well also he, he could do because he 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 could do the sort of high-flying cruiserweight stuff um if he wanted to but then he he He's, he sort of, it feels like he did the, the deathmatch stuff later in his career as he sort of his ring style changed. Because I've seen some like gifts recently of stuff I don't ever recall seeing when I was doing tape trading back in the day. But like some properly insane bumps that he was taking. That's um, recently now. That's, that's, that's now. Oh, that's the bumps he's taking, all the crazy barrel bumps off the scaffold yeah, and all the nonsense. The yeah, that's all this year and last year. Because I think uh, so, kid like us who, who wrestles for progress, um, he's obsessed with him, um, and and I, he was the one putting those uh, putting those gifts up, and I was watching it, just going, the fuck, like, yeah, this is, you know, this is a man I I remember watching wrestle Takamichi Noku. <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? It's, <laughs> this is very fucking different stuff. Um, but but a, but a lot of people have been saying on Twitter over the last couple of years since my style. I, I feel like my style, it is it it, it, it is very Sasuke esque. Some of the bumps I take through chairs, and some of the we, some of the some of the ways I throw my body around is mm. very Sasuke esque. So people have been talking on Twitter. They've been saying, "Listen, you need to wrestle great Sasuke." And there's been promoters in the United States that have tried to book this match. Really? Oh, um, cool. Like, I but, mean, I mean, I know that when you wrestle Jimmy Havoc for us in New York. The, there's a bump in that match which is on cinder blocks and and I I, I watched that backstage well, well in the in the entrance way because I couldn't really go anywhere in that building and and I watched that and thought fuck he's I genuinely thought you were dead and then afterwards you were like no no I'm cool I'm like oh okay good <laughs> but I think you do you do have a way of uh, you do have a way of bumping that does I, I can I can see where the comparison would come from because you you do have a style that makes it look like you've been killed. Um, I mean, don't ever be killed. I'm a big yeah, you know, I, I'm a big fan of you. I'd like it if you stayed alive. But but yeah, I mean, is there a particular is there a gimmick match that you've not had yet that you'd like to have? I've had everything. You, I've you, done. You everything. genuinely think you've done everything? I've done every gimmick match you can think of, uh, but. I've done everything. I've done no ropes, barbed wire. I've done. I've only done four death matches, and since I got thrown off a building, now people think I'm some kind of death match wrestler. Mm. So when I went to England in November, I was in every time I did a show it was some kind of plunder match. Yeah. No disqualification. Oh, we got a we got a thousand thumbtacks for you, kid. 
you know, <laughs> just like the way you like it. I'm like, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, I'll do it. See, that's the you thing know? is, I know we booked you in a no DQ match, but it was, it was based on the fact that people wanted to see you and Jimmy Havoc wrestle each other, which made sense. But from my point of view, I was aware of you as, as the character I saw walking into that venue in Orlando with the sunglasses on. I was aware of that <laughs> before I was aware of the deathmatch though. So, I mean, I mean, you, you wouldn't be, I mean, Presumably, you've never had any of the really ridiculous big Japan matches like, you know, crocodiles and piranhas or anything like that. I mean, oh, no, no. I, mean, I wish. <laughs> you see, that's the first thing I thought was I fully expect that if we ever suggested it to him, it's the sort of thing that Joey would be like, yeah, okay. I mean, is it, is it down to have an attitude of you only live once and you want to try and do as much as possible, or is it? Yeah, it's kind of like living out the, my, my childhood, you know, everything that, everything that was mash in my brain and like i was always a wrestling fan but there was that 98 to like 2005 time period that it was just like it was so much different weird stuff you know mm. professional wrestling and and somehow i got my hands on all that and i got to watch all of it and it really like that you know after my dad passed away you know professional wrestling that was you know that was my escape mm. um you know but it, it's just like now it's just like I felt like I've, you know, every match I've wanted to do, I've done. And, and almost every guy I've wanted to wrestle, I've wrestled, you know. So it's kind of, and now, you know, it's like now I'm at a different level now where they're putting me on these, like, you know, I'm, I'm getting put in these matches against these guys who just are elite fucking athletes mm. in professional wrestling. Now I have to prove myself at a whole different, you know, playing field. Yeah. So. I mean, when you when was the first time you sort of got you got because obviously you're you're based in Northeast, aren't you, in the states? Yeah. But when was the first yes. time you really started getting sort of flown around? Because obviously now you, you you do PWG and you come here and stuff like that. I mean, when was the first time you really started getting sort of taken around the place? Uh, the first person to ever fly me was actually uh, Stephen Flutter. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was. That was my first flight in professional wrestling, and that was two years ago. Whoa, so, really? so I didn't get I didn't get my first flight into wrestling until 2000, you know, 2015. Wow, that's amazing! Like, I mean, have you got have you got any places you've not been to yet that you're desperate to go to? Um, not really. You know, I just debuted in uh, one of the biggest arenas in Mexico. That kind of came together real oh, that's, crazily. That's awesome, though. Yeah, for the crash, it was uh, Arena uh, Tijuana, which is it was like ten thousand people there, oh, and really? I never thought I, I never thought I would get to that point, hmm. you know, wrestling in front of and uh, just England and just UK, Ireland. It's just like uh, Canada. I've been wrestling in Canada for about five years now, yeah. and almost every month. But just like me getting flown, flown places and treated like this. 10 years into my 12 years into my career is just very humbling yeah because i know i've earned everything you know i'm just not some guy who you know who came out trained six months ago and now you know they're looking for somebody you know i have something you know yeah. I, i've earned everything i've i've received in uh, professional wrestling and that's that's the big sort of takeaway i got when when i met you in in new york and you were backstage at our show was just just a nice dude. 
like you were super you were super grateful about the fact that we brought you on the show and it was just like no you, you're here because you're dead good at wrestling like <laughs> that's why you're on the show you're good at fucking wrestling man and people want to see you and jimmy but it was it, it, it's i think it's nice when anyone who's been uh, around an industry for fuck, i've been doing stand-up for 13 years i'm still you know if, if someone flies me to germany to do a stand-up gig yeah. i'm fucking delighted do you know what I mean? It's just, it's, yeah. it's nice to, it's nice to sort of be grateful and humble about stuff, but you know, so, um, so spring breaks on, uh, April the 6th, uh, at 11 55 PM. Um, well done on keeping it, uh, before midnight to make it not really complicated for people <laughs> to remember what day it's on. Um, uh, so roughly 12 hours after our first show and 12 hours before our second show, um, which means, it's probably going to be outside of WrestleMania, probably the only other show I watch while I'm in <laughs> while I'm in New Orleans. And I am I know I speak for myself and John and Glenn in the we, and nearly all of our talent that we're taking over in that everyone is so unbelievably excited about watching this show. <laughs> I can't. Last year was crazy because it, just the videos and some of the announcements, the Martys and the Dink and the Earl Hebner doing a. Uh, doing a run out on a ref bump because we couldn't afford his full price. Just all that stuff. That's amazing. Just kind of popped all the boys. You know, there was people there, dude. It was there's people there from WWE. Uh, the the the, the Canyon uh, Canyon Seaman, who's uh, he's like the he's like uh, what is he? He's the the talent. He's the top talent guy in WWE. He yeah. he, he was like, oh, I'm excited. I, I loved your video with Marty. <laughs> I was like, "What?" I was like, "What are you?" These uh, like there was people there from Ring of Honor, WWE. They just came there just to come and enjoy, get away, yeah, from the the hard work and enjoy themselves. Yeah, and you know, do you know what I I equate it to? So in comedy, there's a, a thing called the Edinburgh Fringe Festival, and it lasts for a whole month in August. And everyone, like whenever I've done it, I'm doing like five six shows a day, and there's very little opportunity to sort of relax and enjoy yourself. And this is exactly like what it feels like. It's it's like the shows that those comedians go to during the fringe to unwind and enjoy ourselves because they're aimed as much at us as they are as an audience. And that's what it feels like here is in the, the show's definitely aimed at, um, at an audience who want to come and buy tickets for it. But it's also aimed at, at people within the industry as well who just want to go, fuck it, it's midnight. I'm going to go and have fun. Yeah. And, like last year, I seen inter- independent wrestlers that I knew getting dragged out past that in the building. <laughs> That's how shit-faced they were. So I was like, all right, he had a good time, you know. I was like, well, this is, this is wild, you know. But it's just, I feel like this year, it's like go big or go home. I think this year's card, it, it completely blows away last year's card. Um, you know, and I feel like a lot of eyes are on us, and we just got to kind of deliver this year because that determines what's going to happen, you know. Uh, I, I'm I'm very very much excited to see uh, all the the subsequent match announcements as well, man. It's going to be oh, it's going to be good. Um, so um, as I wind up, let's let's let you plug whatever you want to plug. So your Twitter, if you've got a pro wrestling teaser or anything like that, uh, and obviously spring break. So plug whatever you want to plug, Joey. Uh, just uh, find me on Twitter at Janella Baby, like a little tiny baby. Uh, <laughs> 
that's my Twitter handle. And uh, Instagram, I think I'm the bad boy Joey Janela there. Check it out as well. I'm I'm under ten thousand there, which is kind of fucking pathetic. Um, so just give me a follow on Instagram and make me feel better about myself. Yeah. Because I'm on my phone twenty four seven, and my girlfriend she wants to kill me, and <laughs> because because I'm just looking I'm just looking into the phone every five minutes and. You know, I, I contribute that to some of my success, but, you know, it's going to contribute to my girlfriend leaving me for somebody else. So <laughs> please follow me on Instagram and make my time on my phone worth it. <laughs> um, and uh, for tickets for spring break, they can get from, it's morethanmania.com, isn't it, which is the WWN yeah. website. Um, ticket, ticket Fly, I think. Uh, it's, the same, it's the same gimmick. Is Ticket Fly, is that what you guys are on to? It is indeed. What I'll do is, in the link to, uh, in, the, in the blurb for the podcast, I'll make sure there's a link in there to it so people can get tickets. So, um, Cool. Well, listen, um, uh, the next time I see you will be um, in New Orleans in April when I yes. watch you wrestle Great Sasuke, which is very exciting. Um, yeah, it's going to be exciting. I'm so excited. Listen, thanks for chatting to me, man, and I'll, uh, I'll speak to you soon. Thanks, Jim. I Cheers appreciate to it. Bye. Thank you, bud. Cheers. Thank you once again to Joey Janella for dedicating some time to come and have a chat with me today via Skype. Much appreciated. He's a good dude. I'm very much looking forward to seeing him in New Orleans. I'm very much looking forward to going to Spring Break 2 as part of the WWN Live uh, legion of shows, of which Progress is also part of. So I will uh, put a link into how you get tickets uh, in the description of the podcast so you can just check it out copy and paste it straight into your browser get tickets to go and see Joey Janela wrestle great Sasuke or, or Volta wrestle Carl Pierre Ouellette or uh, David Starr versus Mike Quackenbush and more to come I'm very excited about that show so uh, hopefully you do enjoy um, uh, so yeah um, progresswrestling.com and demand-progress.com for all progress related stuff jimsmorman.com for me related stuff and check out everything on the Distraction Pieces Network I am going to get back to writing and dying of a cold uh, thanks for listening guys sorry I was off last week because I was so busy writing the show um, but uh, back on it now every week until time ends. Maybe maybe not that long. All right, I'll speak to you soon, guys. ta Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.